If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena, for cosmic pep talks, for closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in the love of the Supreme Creator, of which we are all embodiments of. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command. Cosmic pep talks for closet Christs. This evening, our seminar topic is Our Baptism by Cosmic Water and Fire. So we are the emerging new humanity. That's what's going on. So if you're ready, let's take a deep breath together and allow that integration of your higher principles to come down and merge with your physical human personality. Allow that energy to go all the way down into your very tippy toes and extend it beyond and deep into the soul star in the center of the earth. Know that you are a divine continuum of the holy of holies. Beautiful. Now let's chant the hue three times and allow that to bring us into a real clear place in our mind. Deep breath. Just observe how that centers you in the center of your head and the soul, the seat of the soul. And let's breathe together. Let's breathe in God and breathe out love. Breathe in God. Breathe out love. Breathe in God. Breathe out love. And be present. So we're going to do a mantram together. This is another ancient mantram from the Brotherhood of Light. And I'll say each line pausing so that you can repeat it after me. Ready? May the power of the one life or through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May I fulfill my part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech. So the power of the one life, what does that mean to you? Can you recall a time when you experienced divine power? Have you experienced a time when you stepped out in faith, and simply presented yourself as a conduit for divine spirit. What happened? Good question, huh? But that's the key, you see, to activating the divine spirit, is presenting yourself, stepping out, coming forward, 
and putting yourself in a position of receivership, often without any clue of how it's going to come out. And you learn after a while that spirit always meets you at your presentation. Always. Always. I can tell you that after many decades as a speaker and workshop presenter, lecturer. Not one time have I ever stepped out in faith that I wasn't met and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't come forward when you you have a mental agenda. It seldom comes forward when you're working off of a script. I mean, it can, but rarely. But when you step out in the full confidence that God will meet you at that place where it's needed, you will, after a while, obtain the confidence that's unshakable. You just know that you know that wherever you step forward in faith, that faith will be rewarded. Can you recall a time when you've trusted the Holy Spirit to give you the right words to say, when you're confronting some really difficult situation? You know, Jesus instructed his disciples to do just that. He said to give no thought to what they should say when they be called before judges and tribunals. But the Holy Spirit would at that moment give them the words to say. I depend upon that actually every day. Every day, I ask the Holy Spirit to give me the right words to say and to do whatever is to be done that day through me as a conduit. to take charge of my day and to guide every thought, word, and deed, and interaction with others, both online and off, since I'm quite active on social media. We have to ask before we send an email, which part of us was writing the email? Was it coming from the authentic purity of our soul, of our heart, of our authenticity? Did it have any slight energy of ego or negativity? Sometimes you have to do a little bit of deleting and rethinking if you put the smile and the love into that email. Well, emails carry an energy, just the same as a written letter. Well, a written letter has more energy on it because you have your actual physical handwriting. But the email also has the energy of your consciousness on it. And so it's very important that we learn how to be authentic in our expression. So many times we're not really being real with ourselves and certainly not with others. We tend to present an image or we try to act in a way that's consistent with the image that we believe others have of us. And it's uh, phony. And I think we're all becoming so sensitive to energy that uh, we're kind of aware when someone's playing a game, when they're not being real. It feels uncomfortable. It, it, it's a withheld energy that we also feel. So we're coming into the golden age, the age of truth, Satyam, the age of the Divine Mother, the Holy Shekinah, the age of Prima Sai Baba, who though he will be in a male vehicle, 
will be an incarnation of the feminine principle that we call Shakti. We're entering the age of the Holy Spirit, which is simply another term for the feminine divine. The Holy Spirit is not masculine, it's feminine. It's Sophia. It's the light. It's the receptivity to the Divine Spirit. And humanity is at this time being made ready to receive a direct encounter with God. A direct encounter with the Spirit of Truth, which is another term used to describe the Holy Spirit. So anywhere we look, we are confronted with the necessity of truth, of honesty, of authenticity, of coming forward in a very clear state that represents what we are within in our behavior and our speech without. They have to match. The thoughts need to match the words. The words and the thoughts need to match the actions. There needs to be a consistency between what we really feel deep inside and know deep inside and what we present. Any little dissonance is going to haunt us with a form of disharmony. And that's what we need to work out, each one of us, in our own daily life. So, we're entering into what has often been referred to as the return of the goddess, the collective empowerment of the Holy Spirit or the collective Pentecost, when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon all flesh, and we are empowered with a clarity and a wisdom that before that time we had no real experience of. It's something that's quite new. And so many of us have been experiencing just tremendous shifts with these solar and cosmic energies that are raining down on us now, that are impacting every level of our life, that are affecting the weather, they're affecting everything. I don't think there's anything that is not being affected by what's happening right now on the planet energetically. Many people are finding it very, very uncomfortable, painful even. Some of you report having dreadful migraine headaches and pains in the body and all sorts of strange things that, that come up almost like a latent disease that all of a sudden comes up to the surface. And then it passes through you really quickly and doesn't manifest overtly, but it was like something that was deep as a miasma within the cells that's coming up and being cleared and washed out of your system. So if you go to doctors all the time, you're going to spend all of your time in the doctor's office if you're trying to uh, figure out what's going on with your body. And they, by and large, don't have any understanding of what's really happening because it's happening to them and they don't understand it either. So tonight we're going to look at something incredibly profound that's going to unite science, esoteric science spiritual concepts, spirituality, ascension, transfiguration, the divine feminine. And oh, so many things are going to have the, the dots connected for you if you can stay present with us. We're going to go deep. And it's going to test your ability to synthesize and see the connecting dots. So many people have a linear understanding of things. They only understand it in one way. We would like to 
resent something that's a synthesis of many, many things that we perhaps have looked at individually, but have never considered them as one and the same thing in different manifestations, maybe given different terminology. I want to try to bridge very many different belief systems tonight, and let's see how we go with this, okay? First of all, we've had a lot of, um, here in North America, tremendous, devastating storms. The worst, I think, in history we had with Michael that uh, literally wiped out several communities, completely obliterated them. And uh, we're having right now snow, early, early snow, and a lot of it. And absolutely torrential rains, the likes of which are historical. They've gone off the records. There is no way to measure them. And it's odd, perhaps, to consider them as part of the transfiguration that we're undergoing, but that's exactly what they are. They're part of our being reworked and reborn of the spirit, literally into a new type of human. We're the emerging new human, God-man. So, let's start with this. Know that nothing begins and ends with a physical body. Nothing. You don't begin with your physical body. You don't end with your physical body. You are eternal consciousness itself. So that everything in existence, including you, have ever more subtle levels ever more subtle levels until ultimately they all dissolve into light. Why? Because God is light. Light is the reality of all form, of all matter. Everything begins as light and ends as light. Take it up the next higher level. It's the word, the living word, the sound current, the Adi Pranava. So we're going to look at water, rain, snow, <laughs> and before I go into that, I want to point out that. Sai Baba said that the United States of America represents Arjuna. Arjuna means pure white. If you are familiar with the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna was the prime instrument through which Lord Krishna worked. Sai Baba said that India represents Lord Krishna. So if you read the Bhagavad Gita, and think of America in terms of Arjuna, and think of India in terms of Krishna, it's going to reveal a lot of the dynamic that's taking place right now. America is the leader. Why? St. Germain and the Masters created America as a melting pot of all nations, as a place that would be composed of people from all the different lands. But really, it was a place for the emergence of the I am race. The people who would awaken to the I am that I am. And so it's very new. It doesn't have the traditions and the, let's say, crystallized belief systems of other countries. It's a hodgepodge of many, many things. It's brash, rude, <laughs> aggressive, assertive. 
it's many things. But it's also a place where anything is possible because the tradition and the past doesn't govern it. And so it's a chrysalis of emerging creative expression that kind of sets the pace for the rest of the world, which tends to follow suit. Unfortunately, it often adopts our worst behavior and our worst habits. (laughs) But, you know, everybody wants to be free and wants to live in a land that gives them unlimited opportunity to become anything and anyone that they wish. So back to our topic here. We're having a lot of rain. Over 23 inches, I think, uh, in, in a day or two or three in, in, in Texas alone. Just floods like you've never seen before. Whole areas completely underwater. So get this. Water is deposited light. The subtle aspect of water is light. When you take the water and all of its different gradations of of manifestations, the ultimate manifestation of water is light. Not just terrestrial or mundane light, but cosmic light. Now, here's something even more strange. The element of water, in essence, is one with the element of fire. Water and fire are one. Now, remember, we have spoken of fire many times in the past. Ultimately, everything in existence is made of divine fire, of fire of divine love. So there's three aspects of fire. There's the fire we're familiar with that cooks our food, that burns if you touch it, fire by friction. Then you have the second kind of fire, which is solific fire, the fire of the soul or the Christ within. And then you have the third aspect of fire, which is the fire of Fohat, or the fire of the monad, the fire of the Father, the fire of the divine creator. So only one of those burns, like in the forest fires that we've been plagued with also here in America, have a lot of fire and a lot of water. So water, as we learned from Dr. Emoto and his beautiful um, photographs of frozen water that have been subjected to different thoughts and different projections of sound, we found out that water takes on the characteristics and reflects and uh, responds to the sounds and energies around it. A pure thought creates a very beautiful geometric, kind of like a snowflake, a geometric uh, figure. And a negative thought just does the opposite. So water is neutral in itself, in nature, but it picks up and reflects the sounds and the energies around it. So in the Vedas, water is described as God. Water is Lord Vishnu. Water is Christ. Water is the living word of God. How so? Water has subtle aspects that become more and more subtle until water becomes pure light. And God is light. You are light. Because consider... How up to some say 90% of our bodies and our brain consists of water. Now consider how that water responds to sound and energy and consciousness and the environment around it. 
how our very intention affects the water in our brains and our cells and our whole being. Think of that in terms of geometric configurations. Have any of you seen the experiments? It's called cymatics, where they'll, uh, for example, have a violin and they'll play a certain tone. And sand or some malleable substance will take on a beautiful geometric pattern as that sound is uh, played. And many experiments along that line. But the principle is that sound creates a geometric yantra, if you will. Sound is like a mantra, which creates a yantra, which is a diagrammatic outpicturing of that sound. And yantra would be the relationship or the Tantra, I should say Tantra, not Yantra. Tantra would be the relationship between the mantra and the Yantra. In other words, the sound and the geometric form has a relationship, which we could call Tantra. That's the relationship between them. So you might say that water forms like a Tantric relationship with the cosmos. Let's say our physical earth and all the forms are like the yantra. And our spoken word, our consciousness, our intention is like the mantra. And then the relationship is the tantra. And the relationship element that we're speaking about between the cosmos and the physical world is water. Cosmic water. Did we ever think of cosmic water? I don't think so. Oh, we have legends about how the waters came and had to be stepped down into the earth through Lord Shiva. And so that the water had to come down over him and drip off his hair, his long locks of hair, and flow into the Ganges, which is considered feminine. So perhaps in the Vedic lore and the Puranas, that is the closest description we have that tells us that water comes from the cosmos and is stepped down into becoming a manifestation of the Divine Mother in this instance, the Ganges River. And it's another odd phenomenon of the Ganges River that no one's been able to really explain scientifically, is that no matter how many corpses are dissolved in that water, no matter how many people bathe in that water, it's always pure. The Ganges water is always pure. People drink it. They bathe in it. They swim right next to the burning ghats. Interesting, huh? Because it's divine. It's a divine manifestation of the Holy Mother. These are divine mysteries that science has no explanation for at all. So water is God. Water is the Mother. Water is the connection between the cosmos and material world and water is fire water and the fire element are one now think of the effect of our thoughts and words and actions upon that water the water in our brains the water in our every cell of our body Think about the power of singing and repeating the holy names of God. Think of the powerful effect of repeating our mantra or our initiatory tone. Think of how that transmutes, purifies, cleanses 
and transfigures every cell in our body. Consider that. Why does every single master that's ever walked upon the earth, every avatar, told us that the most powerful use of our time is to repeat the holy names of God, to sing the holy names of God, to use our speech only to speak truth and to glorify God and make others happy. The speech should be sweet and bring happiness to others, according to Sai Baba. So with being, in essence, one with fire, we're looking at the power of water. Now, consider this. Every drop of rain contains sparks of fire. Now remember, we're talking about divine fire, fohotic fire, God fire. Every drop of rain contains fire. Divine fire, cosmic fire. So water contains the uniting elements of the cosmic and earthly waters, which are in turn imbued with fire. And thus uniting and bridging all life every form of life in all the kingdoms of nature with the divine, with the God realms. Isn't it interesting that there's a belief in India that if you if you have a cremation on the, the ghats of the Ganges and your ashes are deposited in the Ganges that you're given liberation, that you're given moksha. There's also the belief that when you bathe in the Ganges, all your sins are washed away. If the Ganges is a manifestation, an incarnation, if you will, of the Divine Mother and the holy light and fire of God, can you see how that would be very accurate. How powerful our beliefs are. People forget the origin of the beliefs. They forget the science behind those beliefs, which we're sort of looking at today esoterically. These things are not known to material science. They're known to Vedic science. But you see how how sometimes ancient superstitions, not superstitions, but rituals and beliefs and rites, no, this goes beyond superstition. We're talking about something that has very many different elements of truth that we're looking at and seeing how they all fit together. They all fit together. So water, in essence, is one with fire, and every drop of rain contains sparks of cosmic fire. And that cosmic fire is uniting the cosmic and the earthly elements. And bridging all life with the divine realms. So water on earth serves in uniting all life as one. But there's another aspect that is so incredibly esoteric. You've got to stay with me on this because it goes way out. Water represents a special substance of light consisting of crystallized 
recurrence of the great feminine principle. Remember we spoke of how water takes on the geometric configurations? We're speaking here of crystallized geometric, sacred geometric, geometrically formed crystals that carry the current of the great feminine principle. What are we entering into? The age of the goddess, the age of the Holy Spirit, the age of the return of Christ, the age of the Holy Shekinah, the Sophia, the Holy Spirit. Sophia being the divine counterpart of the Christ. Sophia being the Christ Shakti, if you will. Sophia is wisdom the light of wisdom. And this is the age of Paramshakti, the Divine Mother. You see how it's connecting? You see how it's connecting? We're made of 90% water. And the divine word has gone forth to awaken us within ourselves and DNA, the great sun from which all life has can come forth is calling us to awaken. So the Holy Spirit is being poured forth on all flesh as the descent of the holy fire which forms our collective baptism in fire a collective Pentecost if you will read about it in the Bible and then think of it in terms of all of humanity Think of it in terms of what we've been talking about in terms of being transfigured and reworked into a new type of humanity. We spoke a couple seminars back on the fact that humanity has come as far as it can go in its current form. Can't go any further. It has to shift to a more subtle expression that we often call the etheric physical body, the the etheric physical body, not the etheric body, but the etheric physical body, a more subtle aspect of the physical body. That's what we're morphing into. And it's happening collectively so that you can't really tell outwardly because we're all going through the shift. What we're really seeing is the burn-off of the dross in the cells that has to surface. It's like a healing crisis where you really feel like you're getting sicker when you're in the process initially of being healed. That's what humanity is going through right now. And there are pockets of people who have shifted beyond a lot of the kerfluffle that's going on on the surface. Things that look very, very chaotic. It's part of that burn-off of the dross that can't pass through into the higher frequencies. So this baptism by water and fire is what we're all feeling now, the results of these powerful solar cosmic energies that's clearing the planet and cleansing the planet and and, uh, preparing it for something that we're told is more glorious than we can imagine. Sai Baba said the entire atmosphere will be changed. 
entire atmosphere. He doesn't go into any detail on that. Just quoting. But the boarding path in frequency, in consciousness, is love. And really, all love comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't think you even have a clue what love is until you've been filled with the agape. That's the Greek word. The agape, the unconditional love of God. It just... Because, you see... Human love is very particular. It's, it's, you know, it's all about the body, the personality, and how you feel with that person when you're with them. And then when they stop doing whatever it is that makes you feel good, then the love goes away. That's not love. A copy of love is unconditional. It never changes. Moreover, it's universal. It isn't isolated to one or two people. It's the same for all. You know, we sometimes have a hard time realizing that God loves every single one of its creations equally. Equally. With the same intensity. Whether you're good or evil, whether you spiritually awake or have the consciousness of a paramecium cell. <laughs> the love is complete, total, and unchanging. So we're going to experience that because otherwise, how could we, in the state that we're, on now, we're in now, most of us, be able to graduate to that next level would be impossible under our own effort. We couldn't do it. It has to be a supernatural touch of the divine. Something totally beyond us. Beyond our understanding, our manipulation, whatever. And that's what we're going through now. So, rain and snow cleanse and actually ease our acceptance of these cosmic energies, which, when they come in contact with impure matter, do cause a burning sensation in the body. That's the dross being burned off. The fire itself of spirit doesn't burn you, but the fire of spirit does burn off the dross which makes you feel like you're having hot flashes. So a lot of people are feeling that. And when it says in the Bible that God is a consuming fire, that's actually what they, they mean. That God consumes everything but the Godness within us and Around us, the godness within us is all that's left when the cleansing fire is complete with us. So we're being reborn of the spirit inside out, a new humanity, a new human, God-man, which is part of the return of the Christ as the living water and living fire of the Holy Spirit. It's not the only way Christ is returning. It's one of many ways Christ is returning. Or Krishna or Vishnu or Maitreya or whatever name you want to call that universal spirit. So this is all part of the transmuting and transfiguring that we're going through, that you see playing out on the news. It looks bad when you 
absolutely watch the news. It's not bad. It's good. It's the working out of a divine plan that's unfallible. It's working out of a divine destiny that we're stamped with. So these abundant rains and snowfalls, although they they are causing absolute devastation physically to many homes and communities, on a higher level is assisting our integration of these powerful energies. Remember Jesus said that John baptized with water, but he came to baptize us with fire. This is it, folks. That's what's happening right now. And it's impacting every one of our lives. Every one of us. We're emerging into a subtler physical form, a more sensitive, subtle physical form. And we're emerging as what's been referred to as the cosmic Christ race. Because as a body, as a kingdom of nature, we're going to collectively move beyond the earth into the the new earth or the fifth world. And ultimately, beyond these earth chains, into the cosmos itself. As the Ami Shaddai, the people of God, all of us. So what happens if someone doesn't want to be part of the new race? They will go on to another world more suited to their state of consciousness. You say to each according to their nature will go. Just know that the divine plan is perfect in all its ways. God loves all of its creation. And not one soul will be lost or can be lost. For all are part of God, just like the rays of the sun are one with and part of the sun. You could consider God as the great, 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 great son of all sons. And each one of us as a soul is a ray that extends the light and the warmth and the radiance of that sun. But it's identical and indistinguishable from the sun and ever connected to the sun and one with the sun. So the only thing that blocks us from realizing this and getting it right down into our sneakers is that we have so identified with being our physical body and the name that has been labeled on that body by our parents or whomever. And we've forgotten who we are. And unless you know who you are, there's not much point in trying to find out anything about anybody else or anything for that matter if you don't know who you are. But most people, if you ask them, who are you, they're going to say their name and then they're going to give you a story. I'm so-and-so and I do this and that. And the sad thing is that they truly believe that that is who they are and what they do, and that's it. So we have to get over this limited 
way of thinking of ourselves and looking at ourselves. We are not a body. Sai Baba said we're not even a human being. We are divine. We are divine. This is what Sai Baba has to say from the teachings of Bhagavan Sri Satya Sai Baba. What is the most important question that we should first seek to answer? The most important question that we should first seek to answer is, Who am I? What did we ask when we were born? And what should we assert when we die? When we were born, we cried, Koham, who am I? When we die, we should not die with the same question on our lips. We should be able to assert cheerfully, Soham, I am. What is the mark of a person who has fulfilled the purpose of human life? The purpose of human life will have been fulfilled when man has attained the realization of the mantra, Soham. I am. What is the only way to get rid of a hamkara, ego? The only way to get rid of a hamkara is to pursue the godly way of life. How can we get rid of the ego sense I am the body? Whenever we feel the sense of ego or the feeling I am the body, we should sit silently and observe what our breath is telling us we will find that our breath is telling us so while inhaling and hum while exhaling. The two syllables, so and hum, which constitute the word so hum, convey the meaning, I am God. If we constantly meditate on this mantra, our ego sense characterized by the idea, I am the body, will cease to bother us. We breathe 21,600 times a day, and with every breath we are saying, So, um, I am God. That is the meaning of this inner voice of our breath all the time. Why are we unable to achieve any spiritual progress, even though we may engage ourselves in spiritual practices for a long time? We are unable to achieve spiritual progress because we continue to identify ourselves with the temporary artificial names given to our bodies. We continue to be what we have been according to the names given to our bodies and identify ourselves with our bodies in spite of all the physical practices we do. That is why we're unable to achieve any spiritual progress. Will we achieve spiritual progress only when we give up our identification with our bodies and realize that Soham, or I am God, is our natural and permanent name? Yes. When you realize the true meaning that sounded 21,600 times a day with your breath, so hum, you will be freed of the illusion of ahamkara or ego. What will we experience when we realize that Soham is our permanent and real name? When we realize that Soham is our permanent and real name, we will experience the bliss of Sat-Chit-Ananda, existence, consciousness, bliss. Well, that's why you'll find people who are initiates, high initiates, that seem completely ignorant of who they really are that are still identifying, well, for one thing, as an initiate or a devotee 
Sai Baba said that when you merge with God, where is the devotee? So the concept of even being a devotee or an initiate or anything that's separate or apart from or distant from God is part of a hamkara. It's part of that illusion of bodily and personal selfhood. In case you wondered. Sai Baba said it's, it's, it's sort of a game that we enjoy playing, just pretending that we're a human being. We've become, let's say, collectively hypnotized to constantly being told that. We're constantly ingrained with that narrative. From the first little bit that we hear when we're a child, and certainly all the way schooling, all throughout our schooling, everything we read, everything we hear, everything anyone says to us keeps projecting on us that we are the human being with that name, with that personality, with those traits with that body. So you see how you have to turn the world literally upside down? Completely reverse the way you think? Completely reverse the way you think. And of course, that's one of the ways of doing that is the Course in Miracles. That's exactly what it's designed to do is to take you in one year's time and reverse the way you think. It's radical, very radical. Sai Baba describes The Course in Miracles as the best book he ever wrote (laughs) when he was asked directly. But he said it's a very difficult path for some people that some people need more of a dualistic path. They're not quite ready for a dwaita, which is pure non-dualism. But if you can hang in there with it and not demand to understand it, because you probably won't understand any of it, The Holy Spirit will use it to get inside your mind and transform your thinking regardless. After so many decades and probably hundreds of books that I've read, I didn't understand a word of The Course in Miracles when I read it the first time. It could have been written in Greek for all I knew. But when Dr. David Hawken, who was the one that got me to study the Course, when he said, you just read the lessons and leave the rest to the Holy Spirit, I believed him, and that's how I approached the Course in Miracles. And now, many decades later, after going through it, I think, seven times, I find that the lessons are inside me and come out automatically. They form the background of my understanding. And while we speak of things that have to do with the evolution of consciousness and things which basically are not really real. They're part of the narrative of the collective dream that we have called the evolving life and returning to God. They constitute what the Course calls a happy dream. And so it's a happy dream to, to, to contemplate that we are returning to God. 
that there is a God, that life is ongoing, that life is love, that we are embodiments of love, and that the only thing that's real is love and God, and that's who we are and what we are forever. And if you can get that out of the Course in Miracles, which I have done, you can't help but being a happier person. You can't help but feel a great inner joy because you know that you know that nothing that's real can be threatened and nothing that's unreal exists. And herein lies the peace of God. And that's the fundamental principle of the Course in Miracles. If God didn't create it, and he created only love, then it's not real. It's not real. Which means war and crime and terrorism and death and suffering, pain and disease are completely unreal because God did not create them. So it's the undoing of these deep-seated subconscious imprints from God knows how many embodiments that the Holy Spirit has the task of undoing when we turn our minds over to it, or over to her, if you will. Well, that's what is happening to us now. The Holy Spirit is coming upon all flesh and transforming how we see everything, within and without. And we know we are seeing through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. When we see heaven's loveliness shine from every pair of eyes. When we see the beauty of the divine everywhere we look. And we can look past the devastation and say, this is not real. When we can go through life with a calm and serene brow and a glow of joy because we know that we know that God is and all is well. And no matter what we have to go through, we will find when we awaken that it has simply been a bad dream. In fact, when we fully remember it, the bad dream will vanish just like any bad dream when we awaken. But this time we will awaken and find we've never left the heart of God that we remain originally innocent and pure and absolutely untouched by our passage in the dream fields of time and space and becomingness. And we'll break out of that cocoon and soar, winged and free. And we'll delight in going forth and doing whatever gods do when they go forth. So let's hold that thought. Let's uh, dance and have tea with that thought. And let's celebrate that we are love. And love is the reality that underlies all the happenings of the time. So 
Well, let's go out chanting on IHU as we send forth the love and light of our being to bless every single being throughout creation. May all the beings in all the worlds be happy. So let's chant. Deep breath. Blessings and grace. Namaste.